Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Kelly Hinkle, Kelly Hinkle, associate editor, SB Nation, Broad Street Hockey, covers the Philadelphia Flyers and connects with the fans and all that's going on in Philadelphia. And uh, they don't play again till Saturday against Washington. So a long gap, unfortunately, to rehash the events in Nashville. And Kelly, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, obviously, there's a lot to rehash about those last few minutes. Yeah, good morning, boys. Um it was a uh, an interesting turn of events, to say the least. Uh, a really exciting game that kind of ended in a really frustrating way for us. So we've uh, had a lot to think about over the last couple of days. Yeah, how is the uh, talk radio reaction in Philly about the decision to, um, I don't know, push for a failed review? Well, it's um, been predictably negative, Um I think, obviously, when you challenge like that, when you lose, people get angry. When you win, people think it was a great move. But I think in this particular case, um, because he challenged so late in the game and because we were already down two men at the time of the challenge, it it just didn't seem like a smart thing to do. You know, you're playing a Western Conference team. It's super early in the season. You don't really need to gamble that hard, I think, so early. And and the team probably could have held on and gotten to overtime and at least gotten a point out of the game, and that would have been a better outcome. Um, But I think we've calmed down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's still very happy about the way that game ended. Yeah, you know, I remember a few years ago, Tony LaRusso, and they went on and won that World Series, but he threw the bullpen coach under the bus when the wrong pitcher came out and all that, you know. And, And in this case, I give Dave Haxtell credit that he didn't throw the video coach under the bus. He took a key, took responsibility and accountability. But obviously, it's something they will revisit, and I imagine all other teams will revisit based upon what happened. That it's just a lot more catastrophic now when things when your challenge doesn't go your way. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it was big of Dave to kind of take the fall. But at the end of the day, he's the coach. He makes the final call, so it is on him. But. um you have to imagine that the video coach had a, an angle that showed it offside, and I've watched it about a thousand times, and it is super, super close. But uh, that kind of makes me think maybe don't throw that flag if it's that close because you know they're going to err on the side of not overturning if it's a super close call. Uh, just to reset a couple things for the fans, by the way, and Gord, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they still, because I remember broadcast outlets complaining about this, telecasters, that the league provided one angle, the board's camera, straight down the blue line. The teams and the coaches get that angle. The broadcasters don't get to use it until after the decision has been made. They can show, if they have six cameras in the building, they can show six cameras, but they don't get that that feed. The broadcasters don't because they don't, I guess they didn't want the influencing decisions. Yeah, that's my understanding. And, yeah. the, the team get it, got it, okay? So that means that video coach and Dave Haxel had the angle down straight down that blue line, where foots on the ice, pucks across the the blue line, and they decided to make the call. And as Gore, as we've talked about all season, if you do it now and you get it wrong, it's two minute minor. And to recap this, Nashville's down down a goal eight 
1843, Hartnell scores to tie the hockey game, and that's the goal that was reviewed for offside. It fails. A guy goes in the box, down five on three. Uh, Philip Forsberg scores at 1924 to win the hockey game for Nashville. So as Kelly just alluded, uh, if they don't go in the box there, they probably survive the last 30 seconds, and they at least get a point on the road non-conference. So pretty zany stuff. Um, so what do they do now with the obviously the, a, a regroup here for Philly? And, and what's our overall impression of the team through the first little handful here? You know, they've gotten off to a pretty great start. Last season they were pretty terrible on the road. So to start the season on the road and have them go 2-2, two and two, it's, it's not a bad start for this team. Um, they have a lot of new faces, a lot of young guys. The team's a lot faster this season than it was last season. So we might be feeling a little bit negative after that Nashville game, but we have a lot of exciting things to look forward to this season in Philly, I think. And coming up on the home opener on Saturday, I think you're going to see a lot of excitement out of Philly. Uh, and Nolan Patrick did get the goal. That would be part of the excitement. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a few other things. So lineup change-wise, what have you had as far as any other surprise or two making the team? So it looked for a little bit there at the end of preseason that Travis Sanheim wasn't going to win a spot on the defense. And a lot of people in Philly are super high on him. Um, He's a big kid. He's very fast. He's got really good hockey sense. He moves the puck really well. And so it was exciting to see that he got a chance to shine in the first four games. He was a little shaky um, in the first game against the Ducks. But after that, he kind of calmed down and, uh, has really found his game, and that's something that I'm pretty exciting about. We're hoping that we'll also see Samuel Moran come up from Allentown um, maybe midseason. He'll make his way back up on the team. He didn't get in out of camp, but he's another one that we're really exciting about. So the defense is looking good. We've got Nolan Patrick up front, obviously. That's super fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time to be a Flyers fan, which is a nice change. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned Sam Moran because I was going to ask you about him next because I say another fine young defenseman in the pipeline when you consider you already have Sandheim and you've got Gostisbehere and you've got Provorov. I mean, holy smokes, that is that is pretty good. Uh, and Travis Konechny uh, has is continues to emerge up front, right? Yeah, he's played really well. Um, one thing that's kind of fun about Philly this year is that for for the first time in a long time. Um, we're, we've got four lines that can score. We're rolling four lines that are talented, that can move the puck well. And um, coming off of last year when our fourth line especially was kind of a dud, it's super fun to have Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick right now on the third line, which, like, that's, you know, those are two guys that can really score goals. So having them on our third line is, is really fun. And I think he's going to have himself a really great sophomore season, and I think we're going to see big things out of him. Uh, one change, Gord asked about cha- changes up front. Claude Giroux playing the wing. Yeah, that was something that, to be honest, I thought they were just having fun with in the preseason, and I didn't think for a million years it would stick. Um, but it seems to be working, which is not what I expected. But you, you really can't argue with results. It's been a fun thing to watch. He seems to be enjoying it. So I, I figure they're going to run with it until it's not working anymore. You know, Kelly, it's kind of, I don't know if it's quite similarities, but in some ways they made the coaching change at the same time, the Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils a couple of years ago. And and New Jersey so far has been a real pleasant surprise how they've played. And I'm just wondering the mindset of the average Philadelphia Flyer fan um, giving a rebuild, getting fortunate in getting the second overall pick, and then where expectations are right now. 
I think that we are, I think we're temperate in our expectations in Philly. Um, you know, it's, we've had a lot of years of, of getting burned, getting close, having good teams, but not great teams. And I think that we're on the cusp of something really exciting, but we're kind of waiting until we really see it to get super excited. Um, I think we're all chomping at the bit to get all of these kids out there on the ice. Uh, Ron Hextall is pretty determined to take a, a patient approach to icing these guys. Um, but, you know, in the next couple of years, it's going to be inevitable. We're going to have a, a young team that is super talented, especially on the back end. And I think that once we have all of these kids, if we can get just, you know, decent goaltending out of whoever ends up in net over the next couple of years, I think this is going to be a team that can really contend. And, and that's something to be very excited about. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, yeah, great point at the end because the, the goaltending is always an issue. Brian Elliott. Uh, two years at 2.75, and Michael Neuvert, two years. Include, I'm, when I say two, I refer, that includes this one, uh, 2.5. Mm-hmm. So that, they're not spending an inordinate amount of money on their goalies, just over $5 billion. So that's good from a cap standpoint. But as you pointed out, Kelly, they need to really take care of business with Brian Elliott. Uh, but, but I would think season ticket holders and such, they're thinking playoffs are bust this year, at least playoffs. I think that there's going to be a lot of disappointment if we don't at least make the playoffs this year. However, um, you know, fans need to realize that the Metro division is probably, if not the toughest division in hockey right now, it's one of two. Um, and it's going to be really difficult for the Flyers to get in, given how good the teams in the Metropolitan Division are. So, I mean, if they can keep keep it in, um, you know, and, and get close, I think, I, and honestly, I think it's going to depend. If they are chasing a spot and they just come up short, I think that there's going to be some disappointment, but also, you know, some hopefulness for the future. But if they don't get in because they've just, you know, played pretty poorly and they've dropped games that they should have won and, and no one looks like they're playing well towards the end of the season, I think the attitude is going to be a little bit different. So I think it all depends. Um, I think the opportunity is there to sneak in, but it's going to be tough given the division. Uh Real quick thing here. Are are you actually located in Delaware? I am, yes. You are, okay. Because for, for people unfamiliar with the geography, Delaware is a, is a, the first state, first state to ratify the Constitution of the United States. It's a little tiny state, not tiny, tiny like Rhode Island, but pretty tiny. And it sits pretty, uh, tiny, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty small. And it's basically, if you're in Wilmington, Delaware, you're only 30 minutes from the Flyers' home rink. Um, yep. And, and there is an ACHA. We've talked about the ACHA the last couple of years. Big... Um, club team programs in the United States college hockey and the Delaware Blue Hens actually have a prominent one. And my alma mater, yeah. Oh, you went to school there, okay. And they yeah. they got booted out like they were very high in the rankings in that club hockey in the United States for quite a while. The Blue Hens and didn't they get? In tr- I don't want to put you on the spot. Didn't they get in trouble last year for for icing? I forget how they quote-unquote cheated, but anyway, they got kicked out of the ACHA tournament last year for some reason. I don't remember exactly what it was, so I hope the Blue Hens have cleaned up their act or whatever that issue was. Oh, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to look as soon as I get off this call because I'm actually really interested about what happened there. Yeah, they they got in a little bit of trouble at the end, and I don't remember what what they violated, but anyway, there's a little left. We, so, we talk about ACHA because there's 400, 500 teams in the country playing club hockey in the United States. So we can have a little investigative reporting we next should, time. Yeah, next okay. time, Kelly. Let us know what How about that, doing, Kelly? Dirty blue hens. Get a fedora on. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Kelly. Thanks very much, Kelly. Thank you, guys. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. 
and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.